on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. We bring you the latest OU football news, and then Jeff Schwartz joins us to talk some NFL playoffs, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Wednesday, January 18th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of January, all you got to do is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best now recording this Wednesday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Ted, how are we feeling, my man? Amazing. I feel fantastic. I could not feel better. I love that. Love the positivity. Let's go. Yeah. You like that? I like that. Today. I like that. So a little uh, programming note for the podcast. We we're going to do this episode, right? And our buddy Jeff Schwartz is going to join us to talk some NFL playoffs our Sunday episode, long, extensive interview with the one, the only Marvin Mims. So I am I am taking my wife on a baby moon this weekend. So would, I won't be back until late on Sunday night. And I was like, you know what? Can't miss an episode. Let's record something with one of the most loved players in recent memory. And it's a, it's a fun conversation with Marvin. We cover a lot of ground, dude. Yeah, it's good. He was great. Uh fantastic as always, man. I I'm uh I'm excited for him. So so that's coming your way on Sunday. So don't be surprised. Okay, let it let's dive into the latest OU football news. It's still graphic season, baby. <laughs> we've only we've only got it for like one more day, though, because the portal technically closes. This for, first portal window technically closes on Thursday, right? January nineteenth. And the Sooners have added another player. Another player, if I can speak, turns out I can't say ours. What is happening to me? <laughs> Sooners have added Texas A&M transfer tight end Blake Smith. What do we know about this guy? Other than Joe John Finley was at Texas A&M and was his primary recruiter. What do we know about this cat? Because it doesn't seem like we know much. 
no, that is the extent of the knowledge. Um, you know, you're getting a you're getting a guy that's that's been around the game. Um, you know, you you're going to be really young in that group, so it's nice to get some um, some some guys that have been around the block a time or two. Uh, you know, him and Stogner going in, they're going to be some some older voices. So, a little bit of leadership there. Um, perhaps some grunt work, big guy, six four, two fifty five. Maybe maybe a little grunt work from him, but really, I don't know much. I I don't really either, but I'm just going to assume because you look at his stats, or let's be honest, lack thereof, and you don't exactly think this guy is going to come in and light it up as a pass catching tight end, right? That is that is certainly not the expectation. I can't imagine that is the staff's expectation. I'm going to go out and assume this is going to be the dirty work guy. And it's an interesting conversation because he was, he was injured in 2020 knee injury. He was banged up again in 2021. So injury has prevented him from being on the field early in his career. Didn't do much this season in 2022. So I, I really don't know what to expect, but I trust Joe John Finley. And his ability to evaluate players. I do. And I, I wonder if this is the guy, you know, with Daniel Parker's exi- eligibility being exhausted, I wonder if this is the guy who it'll be his fourth year of college football, if he's just going to be the dirty work guy, like that second tight end and the 12 personnel stuff. He's just going to do, you know, some of the stuff on zone insert, split zone, really mixing it up, swapping some paint. If you will, I, I got to assume that's the type of player he's going to be. Yeah. Uh, that's what, that would be my guess. Um, you know, Stogner, we know great pass catcher. He, I, I feel like he's going to be the, the guy they use over the middle. Um, you know, he'll, he'll be the main pass target. I think that like what you laid out, there's probably the most likely. And I think the best thing is correct me if I'm wrong, but he's just being added as a walk-on, right? Is it, isn't that how it's going down? I I can't imagine with how limited they are, right, with scholarship numbers right now, with what they've added through the portal. I, I don't know for a fact. I haven't asked, but that's my assumption. And yep. maybe it's solely based off lack of production he had at Texas A&M. He was a pretty highly recruited guy, you know, three-star guy, but, you know, a top 25 guy at his position coming out of high school but i i don't know i think yeah i think it is too and it could be you know plain and simple hey listen you know we're limited roster wise and scholarship wise right now you come in walk on um we'll have a spot for you and if you can earn a a meaningful role and we and somehow we free up some some scholarship room later maybe we'll we'll add you on but yeah i I think it's a good ad, you know, just to get some experience in that room, man. Um, We got a lot of good talent, a lot of good young talent in there, but the older guys are critical, you know, and played in some different systems. I mean, there'll be a little bit of a learning curve there, but you know how Joe John likes him, man. He wants big people movers there at tight end. He wants, he wants guys that are tough, man. That's what he wants, right? And you saw, and that was the thing that, and I know that we've given Braden Willis a ton of credit, right, for the way that he played in the 2022 season, and he deserves it 
man, he was fantastic. But Joe John Finley also deserves some credit to getting yep. him to that point. Like that just doesn't, yes, the players, you know, their individual motivation and like that internal drive, that's that's a huge part of that to a guy playing the way that Braden played. But you also have to have someone pushing you. And I've seen I've seen Joe John coach. He is I, I know the coaches that he was coached by. And he pushes those guys. And, and I think that he really he does a good job. And you saw it with Braden this year of like pulling the absolute most out of those guys in that room and, and really getting them to play as hard as anyone on the field. So I, I assume he's gonna do that with with Blake Smith once again know very little about this young man have no idea if I should be excited have no idea if he's even going to be a factor like will he be a special teams guy I I don't know but when you look at some of the things Lebby likes to do offensively yeah they're going to major in 11 personnel and you would assume that Stogner and Helms and Llewellyn are going to be the the three tight ends that we will most likely see but Maybe the Smith guy ends up being a factor in some of the 12 personnel stuff, Ted. Yeah, that's, that's my, um, you know, that's, that's what I look for. That's what I, I envision. And I, I, I'd be shocked if we're approaching the season and we're talking about Blake Smith being, you know, our leading tight end or a main factor in the passing game. I just, I don't see that happening. I could be proven wrong on that, but. I definitely could see him in the bigger pack packages, the 12 personnel, um, you know, some of the heavier stuff that they did. I don't know if we're going to continue any of the wildcat stuff, but got into some, what, three tight end stuff there uh, at times. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's what he's going to be. Um, a people mover wearing an eligible receiver number. Glorified offensive tackle. That's right. Is what we're looking and And we saw them – we saw them do it with Braden Willis, but he's also a guy that maybe he's kind of your fullback, mm -hmm. right? Or he's the guy in some of that zone insert stuff. You you put those hits on him as opposed to because I think when you when you think about what twelve personnel could look like for for OU in twenty twenty three, you got to assume Stogner's going to be on the field, right? You got to assume there's going to be some stuff. You know, we've heard a lot about Caden Helms' ability as a pass catcher, right? He's kind of that move tied in. Stogner kind of can fit in both roles. And then Llewellyn, Jason Llewellyn's kind of more of a traditional looking tied in that you feel good about in line. You know, he can run some routes, but maybe that's not his biggest strength. So maybe it's between Smith and Llewellyn for who's kind of that, let's label him, you know, blocking tied in, that dirty work guy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. The uh the tough duty, right? That's that's not the easy job right there. And you know, 
when we had a guy in Brain Wills that could do all of that, that's rare, you know, and, and I don't even really know that you want that. Right? It, I guess you, it gives you some nice opportunities for play action off of some of those tough running plays, but, um, you know, I love Stogner and I want him to be an absolute beast whenever it comes to blocking. And I think that, that he'll get some good development there under, under Joe John Finley, but I don't want Stogner running that split zone, going back on those defensive ends and taking a, a helmet to the side of the head and, you know, getting concussed and missing some games. We'll leave that to, we'll leave that to the dirty work guys. Yeah, we need uh, we need Stogner out on routes, man. Yes, we do. Yeah, so it's it's an interesting situation at tight end for this team, and, and we'll dive into more of the position previews as we get closer to spring practice. But with the the importance that Jeff Levy puts on the tight end position in his offense, man, I'm already thinking about okay, what could these personnel groupings look like? when the season rolls around and I, I know this, they need guys to step up and grow up quickly in that tight end room. Yep. Jason Llewellyn, we, we saw him play some snaps, played a lot of special teams. We saw very little of Caden Helms. Like he's got to continue to develop his body, add strength, add size, like all that stuff. I, I expect Sogner to be able to step in no problems, right? With the amount of football that he's played and, and with how he's feeling physically now, you throw Blake Smith in here, who's a wild card, a mysterious man, if you will, and we'll we'll see what it all looks like. And Karsten Gross is a guy that you know has really grown physically on the sideline, walk on guy that they moved from quarterback, and and maybe he becomes a factor. But that tight end room, they need like just they need some guys to figure it out quickly, man. Yeah. If if they want to be on the field, and if OU wants to have some personnel grouping versatility, right? That I know they want to have. Do we know what is, is the, uh, the youngster McNamara from Nebraska? Is he, do we know if he's going to be a tight end or what, what they're, where they're going to put him? I, we had this discussion with coach Venables and with Joe John and Joe John seemed very confident that he would be starting on the offensive side of the ball. Now, if he's going to be able to keep him, who knows? But I don't believe I didn't. I don't remember seeing his name right. on the early, early enrollee list. Yeah. So he's not. He's not going to have winter workouts, which seems like that kid's strong as hell already. So yeah. maybe the winter workouts part. He's but a, he's got a good program going. Yeah, he's not. His dad. His dad's handling it, brother. But it seems like him not being in for spring ball that that would. It, it does feel like when these guys don't enroll early now that it it has them behind, right? Whether that's fair yeah. or not, it just feels that way. No, it, it's it's not just spring practice either. I know uh, that's that's the obvious thing that we go towards, you know, 15 or so good practices where you're out there and it's a lower stress environment. There's more time between practices where you can actually maybe absorb some of what's going on. But it's like it's the everyday, you know, in meetings, watching film, you know, catching balls with the quarterbacks, you know, after, after workouts, just the little stuff like that, picking up on, you know, being around the players, picking up on a little more of the nuance of, of what exactly goes on out there whenever you've got, you know, some slower paced things that you're doing and you can learn from the other guys. So yeah, it's, it's a big chunk of development that you miss out on. It's, 
it's become almost almost crucial for guys. Yeah, it's just kind of way things are now. But hopefully, those early enrollees, man, it's it's testing week, right? And you know, we'll ask around, and we'll see. I, I'm really not interested in guys that underwhelm, because I'll tell you, when I got in, and I was I was not a mid year guy. I came in the summer. My initial testing numbers, because I was coming off a broken foot that I broke and then came back and played basketball and then broke again in the basketball playoffs. Initial testing numbers, not good for this guy. Okay. But progress was made, but uh, we'll, we'll ask around and see what guys really impress. Maybe, you know, of the early enrollee guys, what guys really, really impressed with some of the initial testing numbers. You got any guesses? Any guesses of any guys you could be like, oh yeah, that guy is gonna, he's gonna do something that that opens the eyes of the coaching staff. I think, I think for the young guys, Petaway is was he an early arrival? I think he was, right? I don't think so. No. I don't remember seeing him. This is there's too much going on to keep track of all of it, right? I just go back to that photo that has all the guys labeled. I don't remember seeing Petaway on there. I think that. Uh, I think the the hopefully there's some Im- impressive stuff done by uh, Adabare, you know, uh, which I can't wait to see the height weight measurables, because I think he's I think he's underlisted on on his height. I think they've got him like six four, but I think he may be a little bit bigger than that already. Did did you see? And listen, I I respect the hell out of all the people that do the recruiting stuff. Like that's not an easy job. It's not an easy job to evaluate high school tape and players. Yeah, and a travel. million graduating high school kids every year have to be evaluated. Yeah, and I, I really respect what rivals and twenty four seven sports and on three do. Do you see where Adabare ended up in the on three rankings? Yeah, number four overall. This was the a guy was- that when OU put that offer out. I mean, where was he? Was a three star, wasn't he? Yeah, he's a three-star prospect, and he ends up as the number four overall ranked player in their rankings. Yeah. Yep. You know there there was there was some massive unknown there, right? You know, coming from Kansas City, he's not coming from. You know, um, I it, I saw something yesterday. It may have been on three that said he's the best recruit or the highest rated recruit ever out of the state of Kansas, maybe, or maybe he was just out of Kansas city. Uh, not what you would consider a, a, a hotbed. So I understand how it wasn't on a lot of people's radar, but he's also over the past year, you know, done a lot of uh, like growing up. Like he's, he's turned into a man pretty quickly and, you know, he's developed some really good skills. It was pretty raw going in and, yeah, you could tell, and he was blowing people away at you know whatever that that All Star game was that he played in. So I would expect all of the other publications to to have a pretty big upgrade to him as well. Yeah, looking at those on three rankings specifically, Adabare at number four overall, Jackson Arnold at number six overall, and Peyton Bowen in, in those rankings uh, checking in at number fifteen. Overall, so that's three top fifteen players after a six and seven season for Brent Venables. I I'm not a recruiting expert, but 
I don't think they've done anything like that. Maybe ever. Like you're talking three out of the top 15 players in the country. Yeah. I don't know. The only time it would have been close would have been Rattler's recruiting year with the three, five star wide receivers, but I don't, I don't know that they were listed that high. To two players in the top 15 that are defensive guys, that is – if people are looking for – I know we're coming off the bad season, but if people are looking for, like, when is the change coming? Like, when are we going to see some some fruits of the labor and and maybe see that we've got a different projection than we than we have previously? Like, that's it right there. You got two top 15 players in the country on the defensive side. Like that is that's something that we I don't I don't know that we've ever done that at least in the in the modern era when they've been ranking those guys. I mean yeah, that's it's, it's incredible. It's exciting. It's exciting and it makes you think that you know Brent Venables and this staff are are building this thing the right way just like they said they would. Yep. Now yep. I still did not have fun in 2022 (laughs) i don't want to ever go through that again guys so if we could just if we get it all ironed out that would be uh that would be tremendous okay one other thing we haven't talked about this and it it, they are what they are but the way too early top 25s have all come out and and you look at mark schleybaugh's from espn he, he doesn't have ou in his way too early top 25 now he's got TCU at 12, Texas at 16, Kansas State at 18, Texas Tech at 23. So he's got big 12 teams in there. So he's got four big 12 teams in it, but no Oklahoma. Sports Illustrated uh, doesn't have the Sooners in their way too early top 25. Neither does Sporting News. Brad Crawford from 24-7 Sports. He's got OU at number 23. The one I saw from Athlon Sports has OU at 21. The one I saw from PFF has OU at 25. It, it, it's pretty consistent, Ted. Either OU is in the 20s in, in all of these way too early top 25s, and there are still three or four Big 12 teams ranked ahead of them, or they're kind of not in there at all. I feel like this is exactly the way you like it. Man, every one of these I looked at, I was like, Teddy, this is the stuff Teddy wants. Yeah. And, and I hey, I understand it's not like uh, it's not like we did anything at the at the end of last year that would make people feel really good about what we've got moving forward. I get it, but um, right, I I think we're I think we're in a really good spot. I think where the expectations are, I think um, I think everyone counting counting Oklahoma out. I think you know what we've done in the portal, what we've done in recruiting, all positives. You know, we're out of the transitional year. Now we're into what I would call a developmental year. Uh, I think we make some huge steps. I mean, here's the thing. We were not a good football team last year. I, we had some good moments. We have some good players. We did some good things, but we we're not a good football team. Missed tons of opportunities. Missed easy wins with, you know, guys that – not do just doing routine things that you've done all year and we win games, a bunch of games. I mean, what four would we lose four, 
four or five games by three points. And in all of those, it's right. I know everyone can say if we would have done this or this or this, we would have won this many games, but like, I'm not, I'm not asking for anything crazy to happen. I'm just saying, like, do some normal run of the mill things and you win a lot of those games. So I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between Oklahoma and the rest of the conference. Um, at least from last year and from this point forward, I, I expect, I expect us to take a huge step forward. Does that happen? We'll see. We need some big development. We, we there's some, some position groups that, you know, there's not a whole lot of production coming back in like receiver, you know, we've got some good talent, some good, good prospects there, but it comes down to what guys can actually produce and go out and make plays. Uh, same thing at tight end, right? Like we just talked about tight end. You know, Stogner feels good. He's done some good things. Right? We've we've added a, a you know couple of guys there. It's we got to see if they can produce. Offensive line. I mean, there's some really good prospects there, but it's about development and can those guys take it to the field in the fall? And I feel pretty good about it. I am. I'm with you. I, I will say. Venables, he likes to use stuff like this as motivation. And I'm interested to see. I can see him just like making all these into posters and putting them throughout the entire building. Like, hey, everyone thinks you guys stink. And I I mean, when you compare it to what the expectation at Oklahoma is, right? Like being being ranked in the 20s ain't it. So... I'm interested to see how much the coaching staff clearly they're going to use the way that last season went to motivate, motivate these guys, but also it, it never hurts to be able to say, Hey, look at all the people doubting you. Hell Kirby smart somehow talked his guys into thinking people doubted them, which is he brainwashed those kids. It's incredible. That's like the, that's the best coaching job ever to get those guys to think like, Oh, people thought we were going to go seven and five. What? No one. I on love Stetson Earth. Bennett. He said, uh, you know, people have doubted us. You know, I know a lot of people picked us to win the national championship, but it wasn't a consensus. So, like, that's the new thing. Like, if everyone on the planet doesn't pick you to win the national championship, you're getting doubted. <laughs> love it. Hey, that's, I guess that's the new standard at Georgia. So, yeah. imagine what Vittables could do when, you know, people don't even have his squad in the way too early top 25 side who knows if he uses it or not but it never it never hurts to have as much motivation material as possible that's the way i'll put it yeah i don't know i i think the uh i think the big 12 next year is ripe for the picking for oklahoma all right um i know Teams always, you know, kind of come out of nowhere or turn out to be better than than maybe we would have projected or or perhaps worse than we would have projected. But I I I think that there's absolutely no reason Oklahoma at a minimum should make the Big Twelve championship game next year. I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. All right, let's get to call your shot. We asked you guys what was the most important thing that happened this week for Oklahoma football. And, and this first one's interesting. It comes from at OU Oski, who says potential release of schedule. 
<laughs> Still, though, Big 12 schedule, Ted, and start to wonder, okay, what's, what's the holdup here? I I know this is this is right in your wheelhouse. Put the old tinfoil hat on. Give me your conspiracy theories. What do you got, man? I honestly, I have no idea, but there has to be some very, very hard negotiation going on, right? And if it's this late in the game and you still don't have every everything decided, and I'm sure there's there's like the layout is is decided, but you know the way I view it is the Big Twelve was is holding that buyout over Oklahoma and Texas's head whenever they're putting this schedule together. And I don't know. Josie doesn't Josie doesn't bring the teeth out very often. But when he does, it means something. And I have a feeling either Josie or or maybe Texas has said no to something on the schedule. Now I know there's, there's some moving parts and I like, it wouldn't shock me if I know they want to make an impression with the additions to the big 12. So it also wouldn't shock me if they're trying to move like some non-conference games to have like Oklahoma at BYU, maybe the, like the second or third game of the year when everyone's still kind of in non-conference as as like a welcome to the the Big Twelve or something like that, but I I don't know honestly what what it is, but I'd love to be in the meeting. I I'm with you. I would love to hear the chatter there with Brett Yormark and leadership at the Big Twelve and what all these athletic directors and school presidents think. I I have a theory, and and I know that oh you and Texas are leaving now. Whether that's Next season or the year after, we'll see. But I like to think that all the teams in the Big 12, like the remaining eight and then the new four, so those 12 teams, I like to think they're all just arguing about who gets to play OU in Texas this season. And and I know that that is a very arrogant stance as an OU guy, but but let's be real. like You want to host OU or Texas now. Those are sellout games, yep. They they are the big brands in the conference, right? They move the needle for ticket sales, for season ticket sales, all those packages, all that stuff. So I like to think that all these teams are going, no, 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 we, we, we want to host Oklahoma. We want to host Texas, especially the new yeah, four Because someone, someone who's due a game, a, probably a game at home against Oklahoma is not going to get it. And that is like, – that's that's a big deal to have to give up a ton of uh, local revenue. Yeah, it's a good point. All all I want is for OU to go to BYU. That's all I want. I don't. I prefer it early in the season, right when it's a little warmer there in Provo. But I've heard so many great things about that venue. I and I think it's going to happen. I really do. I don't know that for a fact, but I'm expecting OU in Texas to each travel to the new four teams. Yeah. Right. And if I had to pick, my preference would be OU goes to BYU, 
and because you would assume it's like broken up two and two probably is the best way to do it, right? My hope is that OU goes to BYU and then OU goes to Cincinnati. And really the Cincinnati one is like, okay, I don't think it hurts to play a a game in that area of the country, right? And, and to dip in because Ohio, man, they got there's a lot of players yep. in that state and in that area of the country. And, and I don't think it hurts to go play a game there and maybe get in front of some of the kids, you know, some of the top talent in that area. I, I think yep. that I, I don't think anything bad comes from that. Now you could say the same thing, hey. UCF like wouldn't hurt either, right? To go play in Florida, but yeah. I don't know. I I I want BYU in Cincinnati personally Same. for those road trips. Yeah, and I think that's what it's going to be. Um, I think we'll be on the road to BYU, be on the road to Cincinnati. Um, those are the two places that that I would prefer to go. I've played a played a game in Cincinnati, but I've you know how it is. You you fly in, you get there at five o'clock. You you eat, you have a meeting, you go to sleep, and you play a game. I I haven't I haven't seen the city of Cincinnati at all. So I'd like to go there, maybe go out to dinner, see what the place has to offer. I've heard some actually uh, some pretty good things. I've been a couple times. We played Cincinnati when I was in college, but we played them at the Bengals Stadium. Mm-hmm. And then I had a workout for the Bengals during my NFL career, which that's a story for another day. That damn organization, man. Oh, my gosh. But that would be fun. I, I think a lot of OU fans w- would would enjoy that. But, yeah, we'll see. We are all – we're all patiently waiting. But I like my It's going to be weird. It's going to be like we're going to play uh, half of a non-conference season and half of a conference season. Because, like, I know they're in the Big 12, but – Going to BYU and going to Cincinnati is not going to feel like conference games, so we're going to be playing what feels like five non-conference games, at least at a minimum. Yeah, it's going to be strange. There, there's no doubt. My other, <laughs> the other call your shot response that made me chuckle came from Boomer Damn Sooner, who said our five star QB hasn't lost his ID yet on campus. <laughs> <laughs> Which Arch Manning, man, keep. I don't know if you need a lanyard or a wallet, like. Keep keep that thing on your person, man. People be racking up your meal points, doing weird stuff on your student ID. Get keep, you know, hey, student ID security is job security. Just think of it like it's a football. Arch, come on, man. Keep keep hold of that thing. Uh there was nothing better than seeing the freshmen show up with the lanyard that had their ID on it, their their key to get into the dorm car key, couple of other things on there that's constantly around their neck like a five-year-old. It's great. Oh, love it. All right, let's get to birthday shout-outs. We had a late edition, so you're you're going to get the first one because I'm going to do this one. Happy okay. fourth birthday to Rory Roller. Happy sixth birthday to Caleb Rousey. Happy 14th birthday to Ruby Win Reed. Happy 35th birthday to Jastin Sale. Happy 40th birthday to Patrick Wolf. Happy 65th birthday to Steve Papa Melton. And happy birthday to Kendall Sheets. All right, let's talk to our man Jeff Schwartz about the NFL playoffs. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. 
Loves has over 600 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including, yes, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone, so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Opolis Clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. If you want to live your life in buttery soft comfort, go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off your entire order. You still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off. Buttery soft and 10% off. All right. Here's Jeff Schwartz. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that you can hear on SiriusXM Radio. You can see him on Fox Sports, and you can hear him on any podcast platform with the Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You podcast. One of my favorite named podcasts in the history of podcasts. Jeff Schwartz, former teammate in the house. How we doing, big guy? I am good, buddy. I'm excited for football. Um, the Pac-12 finally decided to release a schedule. It took them, like, forever, but they finally did it, so... I get to see where my ducks are going to be at this year. Um, I don't know. We might win a game or two. We'll see what happens. And uh, I'm excited for for football, man. It's fun. I mean, you know, college football's over. I get it, but we still have NFL, so it's a lot to talk about. Yeah, we're still waiting on our schedule about. with the Big Twelve. We have no idea. We got new teams coming to the conference. We don't know Wait, where they we're haven't going. done it yet. No, no. Well, are you guys staying one more season? Like, I don't know. Are you guys even yeah. staying? Yeah, we're, we're in UCF, there for 2023. BYU and Houston are coming in. We don't know who we're playing. That's coming in new. We don't know what old teams of the conference we're not going to be playing. Strange. There's no idea, huh? They're, they're slow playing you guys. Hey, now, uh, we got you on to talk some NFL yeah. playoffs, but how'd you feel about year one under Dan Landing okay. out there at Oregon? I, I was ra- ra- ranting about this beforehand. We we have to be smarter, not us three, but generally we talk about things in, in sports, right? So, for example, when we talk about first-year head coaches, okay, there's two different categories of first-year head coaches. There's first-year head coaches that have never been a head coach before, right? Venables, Dan Lanning. And there's first-year head coaches at new jobs, Sonny Dykes, Lincoln Riley, Kalen DeBoer. They're not the same thing. Why do we talk about them in the same way? Like, it, it, Brett Venables, Dan Lanning, it's their first time being a head coach. At any level, any time. They're going to have their ups and downs. They're going to figure out their roster. They're going to try things in year one. They're not going to do it in in year two, Lincoln Riley, I know it's a, probably a sore subject to, to, to talk about, but he's at USC and um, I do Pac-12 radio. He knows exactly what he's going to be. They were the exact same team they are at Oklahoma, just at USC. Like, the exact same thing. So to, to compare what he did to what Dan Lanning did or what Sonny Dykes did to what Oklahoma did last year is not fair because they're two separate situations. Now, in year two for Dan Lanning or for, or, or for Brett Venables, I would expect they don't have as many, and, and Oregon won 10 games. It wasn't a terrible season, but I would expect you know, some things to be different, and now you can compare the coaches a little bit differently than you can in year one. So I just feel like we, not we, but like the way we talk about first-year head coaches, they're not the same thing. They're not the same first-year head coaches. That makes 
Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Gosh, you are smart. That title of that podcast, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, let's let's jump into the NFL playoff stuff. And, you know, looking back at Super Wild Card Weekend, Jeff, what team impressed you the most? What 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 really stood out to you about that first slate of NFL playoff games? Um probably the Niners offense. Um they put up 38 points with a quarterback that didn't play all that well. I mean, Purdy didn't play terribly well, and they scored 38 points. It's hard, hard to do in the playoffs. I don't care who you like. Most of the time, when you score a bunch of points, you, your quarterback plays pretty well. It's kind of hard to do. And they didn't play terribly well uh, from the quarterback position and scored 38 points. That that specific kind of side of the ball to me stood out. You can say the Cowboys. I, I get, Yeah, but Tampa Bay kind of st- – like, the thing about Tampa Bay is – we knew they were terrible, and we tried to convince ourselves that Tom Brady was going to make it right in the postseason, and they just played terribly like they had all season long, and they lost. Like, they did exactly what they did all season. We just convinced ourselves it wasn't going to happen, at least I did. And so, to me, it was the Niners' offense was the mo- was the best thing I saw on Super Wild Card Weekend. That was the first game that we saw all the way back uh, early on Saturday. How do you evaluate Purdy at quarterback? Um, I, he hadn't lost a game. Hadn't been asked to do a whole heck of a lot because they're so talented everywhere else. Got a great defense, great skill guys. Like for us, like Gabe and I in the Big 12, we've seen a ton of Brock Purdy. And there's a lot of good, but there are some plays. He has some of the most insane turnovers you'll ever see in your life. And like I'm just waiting for that to happen, but I don't know. Maybe he's found something new there. Um well, look, I when, when you evaluate any player, you have to look, I think, at the system they're playing in, right? There's some players that transcend the system. It doesn't matter what you're in, you're going to be elite. Uh, but Purdy, I think, benefits a lot from the Shanahan system. I mean, look at the weapons they have. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, uh, Kittle. They have Juice. They have Mitchell running back as well. They have Brandon Ayuk. I mean, there are plays where they put Christian McCaffrey at, like, Z and put Debo at running back and put – I you get at 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 X and then put juice at Y and then put Kittle in the slot. Like how do you defend some sort of offense? And then at the snap, they're all like crossing each other and going this direction, that direction, and boom, a guy's wide open. I mean, they hit they hit the same pass concept uh three times for huge gains out of three different ways. They basically ran a guy up the seam and then they ran a deep crossover, like to clear out the safety, ran a deep crossover. They did it three separate times from three different formations, three different ways, hit it three times for big gains. Like, that's what this offense is. It's not a knock on Purdy at all. It's just what the offense is. Now, the question becomes, as you move on the playoffs, you're playing the Cowboys defensive line that's really, really good. And we know that Trent Williams is not going to be beaten. So it's kind of like left guard on. If you pressure Purdy, is he going to be the same quarterback? He's really faced that in his career yet. When you go to Philly, I think they beat the Cowboys. You go to Philly in two weeks, and you're in the link – it's good. That's a day game. It's the early game of the championship weekend. So it's, you know, it's just kind of just getting to in the nighttime. It's really, really loud. It's cold. Like, are you going to be as good in those situations? Because that's a difference, right? That's just quarterbacks apart. It's not what you can do when everything's good. It's, can you do it in two minute drill? Can you do it on the road? Can you do it in special situations? And we've seen it one time in Oakland or Vegas, whatever he did it in that game, but Vegas stinks. So can he do it against the Cowboys? And can he do it now against the Eagles? I think, look, the, the thing they do in this offense is they keep him out of bad situations by being very good on first and second down. So instead of being third and eight, they're third and two. And that's a big difference in how you call a game 
and how you protect your quarterback. I'm with you. Now, you, you kind of hinted at it. You think you like San Francisco in that matchup with Dallas. Is that is, is that because you trust San Francisco's offense more? Do you think they have the better defense, or do you just is it just Shanahan and the play calling and them and that game yeah. being in San Fran? Yeah. Well, uh, a couple of things. One is I, I think I think the Cowboys this year we've seen sort of like kind of an an up and down thing, right? Where you know they one good a week, one bad a week, one good. Like I, I just don't know how much to take from playing a bad Tampa team. That's part of it too. But the Niners have a big advantage in a, in a space that I normally don't say this about the Cowboys is the Niners defensive line has a really big advantage in this game with the Cowboys beat up offensive line. So you know, you move. Tyron Smith from left tackle, who was hurt all season. He didn't play over there, over the right tackle. He's been good, but not nor his normal self. And then you have the rookie, Tyler Smith, and left tackle. Bosa can pick and choose, kind of like who he wants to go against. Then you have inside with, with Armstead against one of the two inside guys. Now, Martin's obviously a Hall of Famer, but Armstead has gotten Martin before. The left, the left guard's a problem. Beata to center is playing hurt, trying to fight through it a little bit. So... I think that there's a, a big advantage for the Niners defense in this game against the Cowboys. That's why I like the Niners in this game. Their offensive system kind of leads to points. Their weapons lead to points. And defensively, I think their defensive line controls this game. I think one of the things that's interesting about it is like, if you just look at the playoffs and who's left, every quarterback is mobile. Right, some more mobile than others, but everyone is athletic and can move around. And Brock Purdy is athletic now; he can do some things with his legs. And you know, Dallas going against Tom Brady, which we all know how great Tom Brady is. He's never been athletic as as far as moving around and is is yeah, he can manipulate the pocket, but he's not gonna he's gonna get out and run and get and pick up first downs. And they're able to absolutely tee off on him in the pocket and they've got a good, uh, you know, yeah. pass rush Dallas does. That's going to be totally different the way you defend San Francisco. Like obviously with the, the spread of skill guys, but the one thing that you still have to account for is the quarterback run game, you know, pulling it down and stuff like that with Brock Purdy. Yeah, you do it. And Purdy is, 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 you know, is more mobile than people give him credit for, but you can kind of like shrink that kind of pocket down, right? Like you can kind of work that pocket down, not from the left side, like Trent, you're being Trent Williams. So it's going to be coming from the right. And then you can, as you know, you can scheme up kind of like someone to be waiting over on Trent Williams side, kind of like a passive rush. You bring everyone from the right and you try to force Purdy to roll to his left. And then you have someone sort of waiting over there. It's kind of the way I think they're going to do that. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's more mobile than Tom Brady, but he's not, he's not a guy that wants to do that right now. He, he can do that, but that's not what he wants to do. Um, so I think that's a big kind of, um, difference in 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 what the Niners and the Bucks are but also the Niners and everyone else like that's not what the offense is you look at you know the rest of of the quarterbacks really with Burrow and Allen and Mahomes and Lawrence like those guys can scoot it's sort of like part of their game it's not in the game plan per se except Buffalo but those guys kind of scoot a little bit more it's sort of built into what they can do it's not really what Purdy does he can do it but I think ideally if he rushes for zero yards Shanahan's fine with that Okay, looking at some of these other games in the divisional round, uh, Jacksonville at Kansas City, clearly Jags coming off the high of that, whether you want to call it a comeback or you want to call it a collapse for the Chargers. But do you think Jacksonville can give the Chiefs a game there in Arrowhead? 
I think I think they can. I don't know how how much of a game it's going to be. Um, they're they're a great story, but they're ahead of schedule. Is Jacksonville in year one of this kind of rebuild with with Peterson? Um, but they have a good quarterback. That always kind of gives you the option. They played in Kansas City about seven weeks ago. And Kansas City kind of played a, eh, a B game and kind of won pretty easily. It's just hard to play this Chiefs team off some rest. It's what Andy Reid thrives in. His record off a of bye is crazy good. Um, they're at home. They've never lost a divisional game. Um, they, they score a ton of points in the first. I looked this up the other day. They, they've had four games, you know, four straight years in the first game of the playoffs. They scored, what, a 31-51. They scored 22 against the Browns, but Mahomes got hurt in the third quarter. They had 22 points early in the third quarter before he got hurt, and then 42. They scored a lot of points in that first playoff game. Like, they're just ready for these games. And it's kind of crazy. I never played a team like this where – they just wait for this. They wait for this postseason. Like they went 14 and three this year. Great record. They lost by 10 points total the entire season. That was it. And they just wait for this time of the season. That's all they play for is right now, starting on Saturday night in Arrowhead. It, their season really starts this weekend. I don't think Jacksonville is ready for that. That's it. Like it's not a, not a slight at Jacksonville. I just think Kansas City is primed for this moment. It's what they play for, it's what they gear for the entire offseason. And Jacksonville's just not good enough, and that's okay for Jacksonville. You're in year one of this sort of reboot with Peterson. And it's a great home field. How do you think this Chiefs team stands up to some of the year teams they've had in years past? Um, well, obviously, they don't have that explosive Tyreek Hill option. The offense is number one in all efficiency. It's number one in third down. It's number one in all scoring points. It's, all, it's great, great offense. Um, but they don't have like that break glass Tyree kill type of player. So it's a more methodical type of offense that's different than other years. I think their tackles are not as good as they've been other years as well, but that's been correct in the last couple of weeks. I think Brown has played, has played better um, the last uh, six or six or seven weeks. And then defensively, they play a lot of rookies. You know, this was not supposed to be a year where they were the one seed. It just wasn't. Now they, you can argue they might've not been if hadn't been for the, what happened with Hamlin, but they just weren't supposed to be. I think they play four rookies on defense, pretty considerable amount of time. Um, but the defense, and I've always said this about Kansas City, and the way I genuinely feel about defense when you have a good offense is just be average. Just be average. The year they won the Super Bowl, their defense was 14th in efficiency. That's all you need. They got up to 17. They were like 25. So, like, they're playing a little bit better on defense. The problem, guys, I'm telling you right now, their special teams is atrocious. And it's really odd because for so many years, they were so good on special teams. They've muffed, like, four punts this year. They've missed a bunch of extra points and field goals. They're bad on special teams. And that's going to cost them, uh, Not probably not this weekend, um, but it, it could cost them against the, uh, the Bills or Bengals. I got you. Looking at, looking at the Giants-Eagles game there at the link, and I can't believe I'm going to ask you this, but with what we've seen from Daniel Jones lately, like, which quarterback do you like better in this game? Like Hurts coming off the injury, a little rusty, didn't didn't exactly look great in in the season finale. I don't know, man. Daniel Jones looked spectacular last week. I think people are overthinking this game. Um, where are the Giants better than the Eagles? Just curious, like what? Where in the field are they better than the Eagles? There's one position you can argue. One running back. One. Thank you. One one position. That's it. And other and by the way, some of these positions are significantly better. Like Eagles, even without Lane Johnson, 
significantly better in the offensive line. Defensive line, even with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Eagles, better. Wide receiver, better. Tight end, better. Defensive backs, better. Linebacker, like, they're better everywhere. I think people are are talking about this game with kind of their heart and not their head because the Giants' story is so good. The Eagles can come out flat. They totally can. And they have been, right? They had Gardner Minshew for two weeks, and Hurts kind of looked, uh, but the game plan was really vanilla in that last game of the season. He didn't run the ball at all in that game. I think the Eagles just kicked their ass. Like, I, I don't. This doesn't feel like that hard of a of a game for me. You have a much better team who's rested and motivated playing a team that is they are very well coached. But Minnesota guys stinks. They're bad. They're not a good football team. Like if they had, they were eleven and zero in one score games this year. Was Minnesota? If they had, let's say they went like eight and three in those. They don't even win the division. Like they don't even they're not even like a playoff team. So like I, I just it, it to me Minnesota's not just don't get sucked into the trap. But the Eagles are better than the Giants. Can the Giants win? Of course, it's the NFL playoffs, but they're not. They're not going to win. So, how, so it, would it be a factor if Hertz is continues to not run? Like if if that part of their offense is is not going to be there because of the the injury status? Um, yeah, I think, I think it changes what they do on offense, right? I mean, you know, having a quarterback be able to run really affects what a deep, what a defense can do in the run game, right? Cause it kind of, when you run the ball and that quarterback can run the ball, it kind of keeps that backside linebacker hanging just a little bit longer than they want to. And you know, the running back pops free and the backer's just not there. Right. Or, or now it's a eight yard gain, not a four yard gain. And so just the ability for that to be an option, I think really, changes the way an offense operates and even just in a play action pass game and getting on the edge for just easy, you know, easy uh, bootlegs and stuff like that. But I think he will run the ball. I, I think you, if he's playing in this, in this game, which he will be, he's off the injury report, which is kind of doesn't really matter. I think he will be fully back to healthy. It's the playoffs. Now you just go for it. You have to go for it. If you're in this spot, which he is and go ahead and give it your all, if you get hurt, you get hurt, but I would play your full game and be exactly who you are. Yeah, I'm with you. I I've I've had a I've had a very I've had a lot of fun watching that Eagles offensive line and I just wish I wish they were completely healthy heading into the playoffs, but we'll see yeah, what it looks like. They they don't need Lane this week. They need him next week to play the I Niners. Agree. Um this is not a week where they miss him as much, but if like I would almost pick the Niners to win that game if Lane doesn't play. Like Bosa's gonna destroy the Eagles backup right tackle if if Lane can, and even if Lane plays, he has that sports hernia. Like that's a hard injury to play through if you're a lineman. Like it's just kind of a bad talk for Lane to get that injury. If it happened in week two, he could have gotten surgery and been fine for the postseason, but it's kind of happened at a, at a bad time. Yeah. And especially like he's having the season of his career and he's playing so well, yeah. Lights out. Okay. The only other game on the slate, uh, I think, is the one a lot of people think is going to be the best football game. Yeah, Bengals going to Buffalo with with what we've seen from that defense, and also you know their inability to run the football. I know Josh Allen is is fantastic, but do you trust Buffalo? Well, I, the turnovers kind of worry me, right? Like Josh Allen is just he's kind of at times come back to turnover prone Josh Allen. We're just 
the fumbles, the interceptions aren't great. Now, some of the interceptions last weekend were tips and whatnot and weren't exactly his fault. But I will say in this sort of game, like we do again, like we see against when they play Kansas City or when other they have other big games, they kind of have the break glass offense, which is when they use him in the running game. And that changes what the what the Buffalo offense becomes, right? Because it's hard to defend quarterback runs when they're used the way Buffalo does them. Not all the time, four or five times a game. Typically, they kind of line up everyone on one side of the field and run back to the other side of the field with less defenders over there. And Allen's a great a great runner. So I'm not as concerned, I think, with um, with with that. It's more about the turnovers to me. I just think that both offensive lines might have a little bit of trouble in this game with the pass rush on, on both sides of, of the ball here. The Bengals are probably down three offensive linemen. And I've never seen a player like Joe Burrow be able to overcome offensive line issues as much as he has. But eventually that does sort of matter, right? Like that does matter at, at some point. You're on the road. Uh, now, Von Miller not playing is a huge loss for the Bills. This is why they signed up was for these games. And it's unfortunate he got hurt. I think it was on Thanksgiving Day because um, they could have used him in, in a game like this. So, um I I had thought the Bengals were the best team um, in the AFC heading into the playoffs. I don't know how much their game against the Ravens should matter to changing my opinion about that. Um, They got a lot of luck in that game, right? That turnover, the Ravens go up 24-17. Instead, they turn the ball over. And I, so I I think the Bengals, the, the quality that they have, and I wonder if you guys agree with me, like they don't make mistakes. Like, they don't turn the ball over, they don't have dumb penalties, and they don't have defensive blown assignments. Like when you watch them play, there's rarely, like, an, an imposing player on offense running free down the middle of the field. Like, they just don't – they don't have – they don't have long, explosive run plays they give up. And they it's just hard to play the Bengals, I feel like, for, for those reasons. So Don't get I anything will, free. It's, it's nothing easy. And it's, so I will go with the Bengals ever so slightly, um, but – I this is the one where I, it's to me it's a toss up. I feel great about the other three. This one I don't really know. Is there a matchup? I, I I'm assuming I think we all are. Kansas City moves on. Is there a matchup that is better or worse in your opinion for Kansas City? Like what they'll be like yeah. if you're a Chiefs fan, who you're who you're pulling for? So I am a Chiefs fan. Um, I think they need to beat the Bengals. Like that is my. I need to play the Bengals to beat them. They've lost three times in a row to the Bengals. They lost them um, in the interchange game last season in Arrowhead. And, like, I want the Chiefs to beat the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl. I, that's what I want. Now, if they play Buffalo, that game is in Atlanta. Um, you know, I, I live in Charlotte. I can drive to that game. If The, t- the tickets are so expensive, though. Maybe not. Jeez. Um, but uh, I, I just think that they need to beat the Bengals. Like, I, I want to play the Bengals. I want them to beat the Bengals. So, well, I'm also rooting for, for the Bengals. I know it's maybe a weird take to have after they can't beat them, but I think they should beat them. I think they should beat them for the right to go play in the Super Bowl. That would be that'd be a lot of fun, man. That would be a lot of fun. Okay, last one, and we'll let you get out of here unless you really want to take a deep dive into Oregon's 2023 schedule. <laughs> Super Bowl pick, what do you think? Oh, man. See, it, I, it's I, the obligatory question, man. I, I got to ask it to you. Come on. The funny part is I had the bills all year long and now I put the Bengals to win that game. So I kind of have to, I don't know, man. Um, if the chiefs defense can like 
do anything. Like just do something. They could win the Super Bowl. Like just be, just be average. Like just be. I, I, I just the Brock Purdy thing, man. If they had anyone but Brock Purdy, I don't know why. Like, do, do we trust Brock Purdy to win a Super Listen, Bowl? Listen, you're talking to two guys that watched Brock Purdy throw a I pick know. six behind his head. Laterally. I know. I, I, I know. I watch college. I watched him play at Oregon in the bowl game a couple years ago. Like I. I uh, he probably would have beaten Oklahoma at least twice if he didn't have horrible turnovers. <laughs> and one of them would have been in the Big Twelve championship. So, like, I I just can't. It just blows my mind. Like, I don't know. The Niners, I think, are the best team, but the more, most important position, they're not the best, not even close in the NFL right now. I I I don't know. I'll go Kansas City. I guess maybe I'll homer this pick. Because if they get the Bengals at home, I think they're going to beat them finally. Maybe not. And then I would take them over the Eagles or Niners in the in the Super Bowl. Listen, I was I was at that game last year at Arrowhead, right? Yeah. Uh, Blake Blake I uh, went to see Blake Bell. Yeah. I was basically celebrating in the stands with the Chiefs fans. I know. Like basically, we're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Let's like I was drunk and having the time of my life. And then that second half unfolded. It was, dude, it was wild to watch in person. There's, there's, there's like, if you had told me that they were throwing the game, I would have believed you. Like, <laughs> like that's how inexplicable that was. And they make it very clear they were not throwing the game, but like, it was so inexplicable. Like they had never, Pat, Pat had never played like that. There was some, and it wasn't it all Pat. Hard. There was some, there were some other issues happening, like with receivers, not, I think that's, I think part of the reason why they got rid of all their wide receivers is sort of the issues with routes being run incorrectly and just not being on the same page really showed up in the second half of that game. You know, Andy Reid's refusal to run the football again showed up in the second half of that game. Um, it was wild, dude. Like I, I, And I think, again, like the competitor in me wants them to beat the Bengals. Like I want them to have to beat the Bengals and go through the Bengals to get back to the Super Bowl. I feel like that's the way it should go. I'm with you. Jeff, it's always fun catching up, man. I, I'm sure we'll have you on again soon once uh, once college football rolls around. Enjoy the playoffs, buddy. Thank you, guys. Take care. See you, man. All right, let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. But first... Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path to strive for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics, where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. And attention, business owners. You need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. 
If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A dot com. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Man, I had to go with Kansas State, pulling off the dub last night at home against Kansas. That was impressive. That was a fun game. And now we got a three-way tie in first atop the, the toughest conference in college hoops, Iowa State, Kansas, and Kansas State. So uh, big stuff there. That was awesome. Uh, I loved that Bill Self called the the dagger timeout on his own player that buried the three at the top of the key. That was nice. I I know that you don't exactly love the Jayhawks <laughs> when it comes to hoops. That was an incredible game. And what yeah. an atmosphere there at the Octagon of Doom. Man, Jerome Tang not only is you know, he he's gonna be one of the leading candidates for Big 12 coach of the year, but He's got that team at 16 and two when the next rankings come out, they're probably going to be in the top 10 in the country with all those new pieces, man. He's going to be in the running for national coach of the year. Like what he's doing is, is really damn impressive, man. Yeah. It's really impressive. You know, I thought yesterday during the day, I heard the quote of him saying, you know, I'm excited that everyone wants to come out. For this game it's going to be a huge atmosphere but i want you to come for love of kansas state not for hate of kansas and i was like oh well, who cares like you know that's, that's just i just want have, you to come yeah that's just how it's going to be i mean you're like we're just trying to figure out how to get people into the arena so it's nice to have that but you know i ended up loving it because after the game there he said I told you I was going to give you one court storming this year. Uh, but from now on, we expect to win. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was that was quite the scene. Like, he he shut down the F-U-K-U chant and turned it into, like, a K-S-U chant. It's, I've never heard a coach say that, ever. I've never heard him say, hey, love our team, don't hate the opponent. All you ever hear from pretty much any coaches. Hey, we love how passionate our fans are. Mm -hmm. I've never, I've never heard a coach. Now you hear coaches talk about the religion and the Bible and and those influences, but like to literally go full, Hey, love is greater than hate. Like one of the, you know, one of the common themes, right. In the Bible, I was like, okay, what, what about Jerome Tang? Like there, there's got to be something to this, and so I pulled up the old Wikipedia, Ted. And how about this? First of all, his story is crazy. I mean, to get where he's at, like it is, it is not a common path. But according to his Wikipedia, he first attended North Central Bible College in Minneapolis, Minnesota, before studying at home via online learning with Charter Oak State college i yeah yeah your face says it all (laughs) okay but that's where i was like there's got to be he's got to have some type of religious background to 
I mean, to say that as a college basketball coach, that's different, man. That yeah. That is different to tell your fan base, hey, like, hey, this is about loving our team, not hating the opponent. Like, I'm not sure I've ever heard a coach say anything like that. I get it. But those two things are not mutually exclusive. You can love your team and still hate the opponent, which is going to occur between Kansas and Kansas State. Uh, but I will yield that it is a really good message. I, I'm i with you. I will also say this. They beat Kansas in overtime by a point at home. Kansas was 6 of 29 from 3. Yeah. Grady Dick was 1 of 8. And didn't get a shot off at the end of regulation or at the end of overtime. Which is inexcusable. But yeah. Keontae Johnson, one of the coolest stories in all of college basketball. That dude is a stud. Yeah. I mean, certified stud. But yeah, Big 12 hoops, man. It is a grind. Is it bad that, you know, you said that Kansas State beat Kansas at home by a point in overtime and Kansas was 6 of 29 from 3. Is it bad that my my first reaction is, boy, the officials kept them in it. The officials kept them right there. You are <laughs> you you and your hate for Kansas basketball, man. It's it is something. All right, who do you have as your loser of the week? I gotta go with Michigan. Um, you know, we had the what the level two violation notice of allegations that that popped up, and then the level one it gets Harbaugh with the NCAA. Um, you know, there's a lot of that going around right there, right after the um. Uh, the college football playoff. And now something interesting, Matt Wise, who's the co-offensive coordinator has um, had to step away. He hasn't been arrested or anything, but you know, his, his home was searched and computers were searched. Something has gone on there with regards to either like hacking or gaining access to emails, uh, illegally i don't really know what the story is but something has gone on there regarding the computers up at the football offices and somehow he's been implicated in in some shape or another now some people think that perhaps he's been hacked and like that's why they're they're kind of searching his stuff to see like if someone has gained access to to something through him, but I don't know. It's a weird situation right now. Yeah. The, the ESPN article I saw, I saw on it said the school's police department told ESPN it is investigating a quote report of computer access crimes that occurred at the team's football facility in December. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of any other example of anything similar to this. This feels like a first, man. I I, I don't yeah. know what it means. Like, was he doing something nefarious? Was someone doing something to him? Like, I can't wait to see how this plays out, man. Yeah, you know, and he released a statement, and I don't have it in front of me, but basically said, yeah, we're co- cooperating, um, doing everything we can. We can't really say anything because we don't want to jeopardize anything going on in the investigation. But we look forward to this uh, being resolved and getting back to work, essentially, is what it said. But, you know, 
that's a good statement. I don't know if there's anything to it. Like if, if, if it's legit or, you know, there's something, something bad going on. I have no idea. It's just, it's a weird situation right after Michigan already dealt with, you know, the, the NCAA violation deal, Jim Harbaugh, you know, sniffing around for other jobs and deciding to stay. It's been tumultuous up there around Michigan, uh, you know, for the last month or so. I, I will say that guy's a smart dude. Degree from Vanderbilt, a graduate degree from Stanford. Yep. And he was like John Harbaugh's right hand man at Baltimore for a long time, right? Yeah. I I've got some conspiracy theories, but I'm gonna hold on to them. Yes. Oh. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold on to it, right? Because this seems this seems like a serious situation. I'm gonna hold on to it, but let's let it play out. Okay. Before it's just hey. Ravens have had a awful lot of success for a long time. Hmm. Mm. Patriots had a lot of success for a long time. Hmm. It sounds like we're getting into the espionage uh, huh. realm here. Huh. We'll see. We'll see how this plays out. <laughs> Michigan, last two years, huh? All of a sudden, he he shows up. Oh, a little more okay. success. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Now, I, I got no idea how this thing's going to play out. It's just weird, though. I mean, yeah. we've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I know. Hopefully, we get some information. I, there's, that's I the want a 30 for 30 on this. There's nothing right now. I want some scoop. I'm with you. All right, let's finish up with my winner and loser. But first, Ted, you've got the ad read for a new sponsor, baby. John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years. They've got nine full-service dealerships in Woodward, Miami, and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands such as Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep, and Wagoneer. They also offer commercial vehicles and wheelchair-accessible vans. And we can't wait to tell you guys about their lifetime loyalty program, and we are currently working with them on something special to offer our listeners. We'll let you all know as soon as we finalize that, and until then, comprise their entire inventory or find the John Vance Auto or the John Vance dealership, rather, near you at vanceauto.com. And First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. Make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the week, Detroit Lions, baby. Ben Johnson, not going anywhere. And if you're like, who's Ben Johnson? He's their offensive coordinator. They had one of the top five offenses in the league. Jared Goff looked phenomenal in that system. And I know they didn't make the playoffs, but that's huge news for Dan Campbell, for that organization, for those players, because this is a guy, Ben Johnson, he interviewed for the Texans head coaching job. He interviewed for the Colts job. He was supposed to interview for the Panthers job. But before he went there, he said, you know what? I think we're building something special. I'm coming back. This was one of my favorite offenses to watch in all of college and professional football 
I love the present the 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 versatility of everything that they were doing. I mean, it was just really, really enjoyable to watch the different personnel groupings, how creative he was. This feels good for our former employer, Ted. Let's go Lions. Come on, man. I like it. And, you know, it's something interesting. And this is why I love Dan Campbell. Because any one of these three things could have happened. Dan Campbell could have intimidated, threatened uh, violence against um, uh against him for not if he was was going to, if he was going to leave he also could have like been on his knees crying uh because he shows emotion uh begging him to stay or probably most likely in the offices over a nice glass of whiskey convinced him to stay but all three of those options are on the table with Dan Campbell and i like it or he went hey man just come crush it again next year. You don't want to be the head coach of the Texans. No. That organization's a dumpster fire. Oh, you, you want to coach for Jim Ursay? That guy's a complete weirdo. Like, now the Panthers won. Being friends with Tepper wouldn't suck. That'd be, I mean, their owner seems, seems like he's down to do what needs to be done to uh, to get that organization where he wants it to be. But it's this is huge for Dan Campbell, and all of a sudden, like people are going to be talking quite a bit about the Lions in the offseason and getting them ready, you know, being a, a potential playoff team and being able to make some noise next year. Yeah. Well, uh, we saw how they ended it against Green Bay. Who knows what Aaron Rodgers' uh, situation is going to be there. Uh, you know, they should have a good shot in that division, and if not a wild card, yeah, I, I'm um, – things are looking good for Detroit. I know there was some – some weird moments, funny moments with Dan Campbell, but I think, at least from what I've seen, doesn't he seem to be like one of the most loved, like universally, the one of the coaches around the league by all fan bases? Like, I don't know that there's anyone out there that dislikes the guy. You can't say that about all of the coaches out there. No, I, I think like he's a football guy, man. He's a football guy. He like cries, like everything about him. Yeah. He's impossible not to like. I know. I, I loved him when in my short time there in New Orleans, he was the tight ends coach. Like everyone loved him. Yep. Also, what people may not realize, that dude is huge, huge. still. He is huge. huge. I mean, he's every bit of six six. And when he played, he was probably two seventy. And he looks like he's leaned up, but added some muscle perhaps like i don't the dude's gigantic some some enhancements of some sort right <laughs> Maybe, I, I, don't, I, don't know. I don't know what he's on but i need to get some here His emotions are swinging uh wildly from one end to the other <laughs> no but he he's the man and yeah there'll be a lot of people on the the detroit lions bandwagon heading into the next nfl season it's going to be fun all right for my loser of the week thought about going with tcu fans it's been a rough stretch Right. Mm -hmm. Last week, you get housed in the national title game. You lose your offensive coordinator to Clemson. This week, Quentin Johnston declares. Kendra Miller declares. We already knew Max Duggan was moving on. All of a sudden, you're looking around going, oh, no. Oh, uh, Trey Hodges Tomlinson declared. Like, you're looking around going, oh, no. We lost 
all of our best players. Steve Avila, their best offensive line. Like, they're going to have to reload, rebuild. I, I don't know which one it's going to be for Sonny Dykes, but, man, just it, it's what you want. You want your guys to be really talented. You want them to go to the league, all that stuff. But when you lose them all at once, not ideal. Yeah, all of that and their number 12 in the country right now in some of these way early uh, preseason polls. And I, you're not going to be able to sneak up on anyone. It's no. not going to be early November and everyone's looking around saying, hey, is TCU still undefeated? Are they actually any good? Like That's not going to happen next season. Yeah, but my loser of the week, it, it appears a the, the Jaden Rashada drama has run its course. According to reports, he has filed paperwork to be released from his letter of intent at Florida. I guess those negotiations that his dad talked about didn't go so well, Ted. I mean, what a what a disaster for Florida. Yeah. I uh, it's uh I I don't know I don't know who to blame. I I don't know if the 13 million number that's put out there is legit, like if if they promised that and then went back on it. Like I don't I don't know enough about any of those numbers and maybe nobody does except for the people super close to the program. But, uh, it's really, it's ends up being a bad look for everyone involved. Unfortunately. Yeah. There, there are no winners in this thing, right? Like Rashada got to go find a new school, which I'm sure there are going to be plenty, plenty of schools that want him, but this is going to follow him around for the rest of his career. I mean, it just is Billy Napier in Florida. They lose their top ranked recruit at the quarterback position. That's a disaster. And then you've got the Gator Collective. And I mean, you talk about a shot to your reputation, right? This has become, this is going to be the warning slide on every NIL presentation across the country. I, yep. I mean, there's no doubt that hurts Florida in the long run. So it's just kind of a de- disaster. And you look, this is a kid that's the, you know, depending on what rankings you like, he's like the sixth or seventh ranked quarterback in the 2023 class. Like this is, this is the first, this story is like the first of its kind where like, Oh, Ooh, that is, this is what people like warned us about when it came to NIL and groups, not delivering all that stuff. This is, this is now the poster child for that. This is what happens whenever you, um, you make deals or you do business with entities that do not have a history, right? You know, most of the time, if you're doing a multi-million dollar deal with somebody, there's some extensive background as to who that group is, what like their business profile is, like what product they have. You, like, you don't think the Rashadas did their due diligence on the Gator Collective? There's not any diligence to do. I know. I, you know, it's... It, and it's the same thing really everywhere, though. So, I mean, some places are going to be able to back up their contracts. Others maybe won't. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a weird business. But you're right. It is going to follow him. Um, unfairly, he's going to be cast as a guy that only cares about himself, only cares about money. He's going to go wherever the the money is right, doesn't care about anything else like that's whatever that's 
maybe that's the case, but maybe it's not, you know, I, I don't know. It's, um, that's the nature of it. I got to tell you though, there ain't going to be no $13 million deals anywhere. No. He's not even, I only think he's a five-star quarterback. Is he four-star? Four-star from what I've seen, but hey, his finalists were Miami, Oregon, Cal, Ole Miss, and A&M. Uh, maybe Arizona State makes some sense for him with Kenny Gillingham leaving, leaving Oregon and going and being the head coach there. But I'm laughing at Miami because – It'd be so funny if he ended up there. Well, I was I was I just said there's not going to be any $13 million NILs anywhere. I could see Ruiz at Miami picking up the $13 billion just to stuff it in Florida's face, right? That'd be hilarious. That's like that's like hammering the nail into the coffin on Florida if you're Miami. Yeah. The the only other interesting part about this to me is I as far as I know, we haven't seen a player sue a collective yet. And depending on what the language in that contract looks like, the Rashadas may have a case, man. I'm interested to see if there's any legal action taken, which would be like you leave, you go somewhere else, and you sue them. <laughs> like it would be, oh man, that'd be hilarious. End, end I hope up getting your 13 million anyways, and not only that, but like, what's the implication if that does happen? They do sue them. Like, what does that mean for everyone else at Florida that's under an NIL deal with that collective? I, I don't know, man, but. Because it's going to be, they're not going to get, it's going to be hard to get donations for them now. Like, people are going to think it's, it's a disaster legitimate. for them. Yeah. For sure. Bad. Really yeah. bad. But it, we'll, we'll see where Rashada ends up landing. But what a story. God, I love college football so much. I lo- <laughs> it's just, it's just the so drama. Popular. I love it. On that note, episode 284 in the books. We'll have a new podcast on Monday. Remember, long interview with Marvin Mims. Uh, just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Have an awesome weekend. We appreciate all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Another night.